This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm your host David and joining me tonight is Andrew. What's going on? And Marisha. Hey, everybody. This is going to be our news show. And, you know, at first glance, we say this every time, doesn't seem to be a lot of news, <laughs> but you never know where the conversation is going to take us. There actually is a lot of news, just not a whole lot that I was, like, super interested in. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, we're not really a news show. Like, it's yeah. just talk kind of about like the news show. So the, the, if we don't want to talk about the it, the news <laughs> is just what we use to give us a starting point for right. whatever yeah. rabbit hole we may go down tonight. We are not journalists, <laughs> and we are not claiming to be. No, merciful heavens, no. Um, so yeah, definitely not a news show. But but uh, we 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 talk about some news. We just kind of pick the ones that we're interested in, though. Yeah. When I say news show, it's just this is the No, it's definitely our like it's our news show. That's what that's yeah. what we call it. It's just uh We talk about the news <laughs> that we give a crap about. Yeah. Right. Um so first off, I just want to quickly mention uh today on the day that we're recording, it was announced that the Berserk creator uh the manga the creator of the manga Berserk, uh, that was a weird sentence I just said there. The creator of the manga Berserk, uh, Kentaro um, Mura, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that name. He passed away uh, a few days ago, but they kept it quiet until mm-hmm. they announced it today. And just, just want to say I'm a big fan of Berserk. It's my This is the first ever manga I ever bought, and I instantly became addicted to it. And discovered that there's a huge community online of people who agree that it's it's one of the best mangas ever written. It's it's widely considered to be the best manga ever. Uh, I think it's one of the best stories. Awesome. Uh, Kentaro was an incredible creator. He's been writing and publishing manga since he was 10 years old. Wow. Um, all the way up until his death. And Berserk is not complete. It is not finished. And it, mm. it is very sad that we'll never get the ending because you know manga is different from comics you know a, a comic book writer passes away you get, you get spider-man they just a new author comes in and just right. continues the story but like manga is different because kentaro wrote the story illustrated all of it like it was mm-hmm. his thing 100 percent right. only more like uh, a maybe traditional there'll be some novelist notes. maybe we'll get yeah find out what was supposed to happen mm-hmm. but it just won't be the same um, but that's besides the point because what's, what's really just most as heartbroken as I am, we'll never get the ending. What's more heartbreaking, of course, is the loss of of an incredible creator that right. online nobody nobody seems to have a bad thing to say about him. Hmm. Uh, one of my favorite artists of all time, one of the best stories ever written, in my opinion. Uh, that wasn't even completed yet. Uh, but yeah, uh, just my condolences. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, as for the other news, let's start out. There's a lot of DC news this week. Uh, DC was dropping a lot of info about some new projects they have coming up in the animated world. 
but before we get to the animated stuff, there were some quote unquote like leaked the Batman photos mm-hmm. uh, that showed off what the Riddler is supposedly supposed to look like in the Batman. Right. What did I you saw guys, this. What do you guys I, think of those photos? I mean, I, it's a. Is there any version of the comic book Joker that's anything like that? The Riddler. I mean, sorry, the Riddler. That's anything like that. Nothing that I've read, but there's probably some. I've seen interpretations that are similar, but not in comic books. Uh, kind of reminds me of the Telltale Games Batman Riddler, uh, okay. just with like the some of the images we saw with like the like long raincoat almost went, like hazmat suit type thing mm-hmm. um, yeah. with the coat at least the Riddler kind of had that long coat but when it comes to the mask no I don't think I've ever seen Riddler in in a mask other than like a little eye mask that that he might wear um, so I mean I don't so I don't love it. I, I, it's gonna. It's okay. It's fine for what it is. I guess. I I think that part of what I love visually about Batman stuff is that we kind of inverted things, like for the most part, where our our hero is this. You know, he, he he's he is the knight. You know, he it's mm. it's dark and and gritty and. And since we made our our hero, we put our hero in black, right? So you, you did the opposite. You didn't put your hero in white. He's not the white knight. You put him in black. And so yeah. we have all these bright, colorful villains mm-hmm. that offset the, the, the blackness of Batman. Mm-hmm. So you really kind of stand the traditional tropes on their head, but it seems that one of I, that to me, that's one of the most visually appealing things about Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that, and I I feel like there's just more and more of a departure from that, and I don't necessarily love it. Mm-hmm. Well, and Batman villains tend to go in for more classic looks, you know, a clown or you know a mobster or you know like the bowler mm-hmm. hat and the cane and the you know the tuxedo or the you know, just yeah. different. Like I don't need Jim Carrey's Riddler. Oh no! But no. which I mean is, I it's it's funny. It's it's it fit with what they were <laughs> doing. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. It's crazy. It's off the wall. It's it's not a. It's it's you can certainly do a better portrayal. Um, I mean, and I love what they did with. Um, I mean, honestly, I'd say my favorite version of the Riddler in anything is probably the one from Gotham. The aesthetic for Gotham, Gotham is incredible. Yeah, they did a really good job with that kind of retro um, look, but making it very edgy and futuristic at the same time. They did a great job with the aesthetic for Gotham. Um, yeah, but I think that's kind of my thought. I mean, I don't hate it. It's not gonna. It's not gonna color my. Um, view of the of the film i'm still excited to see what they're doing um but i do think that you're taking one of the things that makes batman 
are Batman stories overall. Like the, you're taking the visual component that kind of defines Batman. Yeah. And removing it. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you there. Um, what I'm really hoping to get from this movie is some really interesting visuals because as much as I love the Nolan trilogy, it just kind of looks like a regular movie. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it just looks like it's filmed in Chicago. Gotham looks like Chicago. Right. I love the character itself of Batman, but the actual setting itself, it just feels off to me. At least in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. The, uh, Batman Begins had a bit better, uh, did a bit better of a job of that, I think, of the Gotham aesthetic and like the colorful um, gothic world. Not colorful, but like gothic world. Mm-hmm. Uh the strange, like out of time, right aesthetic that Gotham has that I really appreciate. Like one of the reasons I love the Tim Burton movies is because Gotham itself is a character, mm-hmm. and everybody there is very loud and embraces how strange and bright and colorful it all is. Mm-hmm. Um. And it make and it, and that's it's important for Batman to be placed in that setting. I think so. That's the only thing that's ever been missing for me for those Nolan movies. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the Batman, I'm really hoping for like a gothic horror type thing. And so, in one hand, like that is a creepy looking mask mm-hmm. uh, that is kind of gothic and, and you know kind of horror esque, but also. One of the beautiful aesthetics is that he you could put the Riddler in like bright green clothing and place him in this gothic world and he stands out and he embraces it and it just all kind of flows together in a very right beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Right. And this costume and that's the thing. This this image that that's out there, this doesn't mean that this is how the Riddler looks for the whole film. That's true. No, this could be, this could be literally, because I, th- I think that there was another image of him like pouring gasoline or something. Like it was like a blurry shot almost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it kind of looked like a hazmat suit. Like this could literally be he's wearing a suit to mess with some chemicals, right, mm-hmm. or something. You know. Uh, now my first thought actually is that he's wearing a mask and it's gonna be like this inspiring symbol like i don't know they 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 tend to do that a lot with batman movies um like this symbol of the people rising up or whatever and he's wearing this mask that's like almost like a guy fox mask type thing like that for some reason that's Mm -hmm. where my head first went um the mask supposed to represent like just the blank face of the people Right. That's just a random like thought that I had about maybe where they're going with the Riddler because I really there's no telling what they're gonna do. They can do so many different things. Right. Um, it could just be as simple as the Riddler wants to be scary, which is really interesting because the Riddler is not necessarily a scary villain. He can be taken seriously, but he's never been on the same level of like terrifying as someone like the Joker. Right. Um, he's been a, always a bit more tame in that way now he's not a she doesn't shy away from killing people um and and things like that but you know i i actually feel like 
if these images are just supposed to be what the Riddler is in this movie, it's kind of leading me to feel like maybe they're going for more of like a jigsaw type thing Mm. with the, the Riddler based on the trailers also of like leaving the Riddler, leaving the riddles of the clue. Like maybe that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could definitely be going for something a little more like that and, you know, make the character a little more horror, you know, horror story than, uh, than what he's been presented as in the, in the past. Yeah. I'm really fascinated to know what his goal is. What, like, what is it that he wants? Uh, and Gotham, it was pretty clearly like laid out. I think that they did a great job developing that uh, from what I watched of Gotham. I haven't seen the whole series all the way through, uh, but I would catch episodes here and there. And the Riddler was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. And the thing with the Riddler, and really any Batman villain, because they've kind of done this with all the movies, their motivations can kind of be whatever they need to be for this movie to fit. Right. And so I really wonder what they're going for. Like, that's one of the most ex- exciting things for me is finding out. Because this could break or make the movie, in my opinion. If the, if, if the Riddler, if, if he just sucks, like, because, you know, I see the, uh, the mask and everything. And my first thought is that he looks like a gimp. He, he looks like the, the gimp from Pulp Fiction. Right. Um, and I want to make fun of him. But they've done things that movies have done things before where there's something that looks goofy and makes me think of something funny, but then actually just by its presence and what the character does, it becomes terrifying. Mm -hmm. And if they get that right, it'll be great. But if they don't, it could ruin the movie for me. Yeah. Maybe it just seems like the vibe I'm getting from the people making this movie is, is different, which is yeah. fine, but different is not necessarily a virtue in and of itself. You know, it's just sometimes I think whenever a character has been done so many times, sometimes the goal just becomes unprecedented portrayal of whoever. You know, and it's like, but that's not necessarily like, yes, you don't want to see exactly the same thing, but just different for the sake of being different is, is always kind of a concerning direction for a movie to go. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. It, 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 and like you said, it, it's being different is not a virtue in of itself. It still has to be good. It can't right. like, it can't just be different. It still right. has to be good. It still has exactly. to tell a good story. And I feel like, you know, we, we have those conversations a lot of times. They're like, oh, they've decided to gender bend this character. They, you know, whatever. It's like, that's yeah. fine. But that's, you know, it's not helpful in of itself if you don't tell a good story. Right. It, it can't yeah. just be about the character being of a different sex. Like, like Or being, you know, subverting yeah. expectations. Like, take a male character and make, make the character female. Fine. Just do do it, it. Right. But just do it. Like, don't, like, preach about it in the movie. Just do yeah. it. Tell a good story, and we'll all appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and subverting expectations as a philosophy in movie making is only ever so successful. Because there's always a contingent who would just rather it, not be subverted. Uh, the right. idea of having to subvert expectations has ruined 
many things, uh, specifically what could have been the greatest television show of all time, Game of Thrones, is just completely sullied. And it was all about subverting expectations. And Mm -hmm. as a hardcore comic book fan, a question that I, a conversation I have with friends a lot is over if I'm okay with them changing certain things from the comic books. Look, if I, if I got upset every time they changed something Mm -hmm. from the comic books, I would have had a stroke years ago. I, yeah, I just have to accept it. And David would have had a stroke at 15. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would have, yeah. Um, I would have died watching Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, you would have been younger than 15. You were only what? Yeah. 10 like maybe whenever Green know. Lantern came you, out. Your dad, um, you wouldn't have made it that far because your dad would have already been dead from watching Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly my point. Um, so... I have to accept that they're going to change things, but what's important is that they change it for the better and for the benefit of the story. A great example, in my opinion, is in Iron Man 3, I'm actually a big fan of the Mandarin twist. Mm -hmm. I think that within the context of that story, the twist works well. Mm-hmm. Right, and and I do, and and they, I mean, they told us at the end, like the Mandarins. They even told us they did that little short. Said, yeah. Like the Mandarin's still out there. Like yeah. this wasn't the Mandarin. Like we literally told you that in the story. Yeah. But people are like, I can't believe they did the Mandarin like that. It's like, it's they it's, did it's a, not, a hack. It's not he's, the he's Mandarin. Fake. Yeah. And Tony Stark, T- Tony Stark actually got captured during the Vietnam War. So like what in the comics, right. so like, what do you yeah. want? What do you want? <laughs> right. And, and, and I, now if they would have done the twist and it just didn't work at all, then I would understand being upset. Cause it's like you change something that people are going to care about, but didn't actually make it better by mm-hmm. doing it. So what was the point? Right. And that's always a big thing. And, and it's subverting expectations. And that was a, a big argument I would get into with people when Game uh-huh. of Thrones came out. They were like, well, they've been killing off characters and doing things differently from the very beginning. And I'm like, yes, but they always did it to benefit the story. Whenever George right. R. Martin killed off Ned Stark, it wasn't just to blow your mind and shock you, it made 100% sense within the context of the story. Everything was obviously leading to that. And he, ne- the, the, you can subvert expectations, but the number one rule is you cannot sacrifice story or character to do so. Mm-hmm. If you're going, if you're going to subvert <laughs> expectation, but it sacrifices story to do so, then it's not worth it. Right. And what? so I just hope that with this movie, they just stick, you know, all, all I really care about at this point is just getting a movie that gives me a good story about Batman mm-hmm. yes. struggling against yeah. the odds to save us, save the city he loves. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, a lot of the things, the, the politics that have woven their way all into filmmaking and all that, at the end of the day, we really don't care. We just really want good stories. Mm-hmm. Just want but good we stories. Want, I just want the want characters that I love that, to be treated right. We mm-hmm. want re- stories that resonate with mm-hmm. us, that that we can, you know, relate to characters and 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 feel something when we watch them, mm-hmm. and not just that the movie. 
I don't want a movie that tells me how I'm supposed to feel. I just want a movie that makes me feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I really, that's a great way to say it. I, I don't want you to tell me how to feel. It just makes me feel. Those are all the best movies, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the ones where you can walk out of it and, and different people are having different emotions about a certain thing. That's yeah. what's... That's the important part of filmmaking and of art in general. Right, I was going to say, that's just like any other piece of art. When you mm-hmm. walk in a museum and you look at the great works of art, and and you can, have, you can have 10 people walk in there and look at that piece of art and walk away having felt something completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Batman has always been a great vehicle to do that. Batman is one of the best characters ever created. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. And it's built his, on the backs of some some really. I mean, that's the thing. The, the characters it was built on the back of, yeah. like Zorro, great characters. And it just and he took those things. They took those things that that were great about those characters and elevated them and mm-hmm. created something even better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I just want so badly to watch a movie that just captures everything I love about Batman. Because I was thinking about this previously. There is yet to be a Batman movie, as many of them that I love, and I appreciate all of them in their own ways, but there is yet to be a Batman movie that is the Batman movie I want to see. Hmm. Sometimes they get the character. I think that the character was gotten right in the Dark Knight trilogy, right? but I don't think the world was was gotten right, like I was just talking about earlier with Mm -hmm. it just looking like Chicago. Um, I think that the world was beautiful. And the, the way that it looked was great and the tone in the Burton movies, but the character himself, I do like the character, but it's not exactly perfect to what I would want. Uh, you know, he killed no, a lot it's... of people in that movie. <laughs> uh, he did. And it, it still got a lot of elements of the, um, it still, they carried over some comedic elements uh, from yeah. like, the TV series. Yeah, they did. Exactly. Especially you get to the Schumacher films and I have grown an appreciation for them. There's some things about that that I like. Um, It's a bit goofier, but you know what? I'm okay with Batman. You know, Batman doesn't have to be like a super dark asshole. Like he can make jokes. Something he doesn't, he's not quippy like Spider-Man, but like, you know, he can treat Robin like a surrogate son and not just like a piece of garbage. Um, And so I kind of appreciate that about Batman and Robin, for example, I think they have a good relationship in that. Like there's little pieces here and there that I like from all Batman movies, but I've yet to get one that perfectly captures what I want to see. And that doesn't just mean that the costume has to be perfect because this costume in the Batman, it's not perfect. Uh, there's things I like about it, but it is not at all what I would have chosen as a Batman costume. And that's fine. If this is not what I would have chosen for Riddler, but that's fine. If I watch this movie and it captures everything I want to see in a Batman movie. It gives me a good, relatable story about Batman solving a mystery and saving people and being a hero and having a relatable struggle and while also being a larger-than-life symbol like he's supposed to be and dealing with the duality of Bruce Wayne and Batman, which from the looks of it, this this movie definitely is going to be tackling that, yeah. um, mm-hmm. of which is the mask and which is the real man. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. And then just the world in general, which I think the world looks pretty good. The, the tone of it looks pretty good in my opinion so far. 
if they give me that, then I'm going to be happy. In my opinion, the best interpretation of Batman outside of comics has been the Arkham video games. Mm, And, well, that and the animated series, of course. Well, right. I mean, the animated series. That just goes without being said. That's the best ever. Right. And it's one of the greatest animated series of all time. Yeah. And the Arkham games are spirit, 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 you know the word I'm trying to say, spirit (laughs) and sholy. Uh, uh, spiritually are there you go uh, a successor to the animated series I would love to see a film like the Arkham games that'd be my dream yeah yeah I love Batman so much I can't wait for this film though uh, but speaking of getting interesting and good Batman stories it was announced that we're actually getting a new Batman animated series coming from Bruce Tim, J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves who is the director of the Batman and that's kind of all we know about it. It's going to be on HBO Max and Cartoon Network. But, of course, Bruce Timm, he worked on the original Batman the Animated Series and pretty much most things DC animated. Now, that be, here's the thing. He worked on the Batman the Animated Series, which is great, but he also just made The Killing Joke, which had Batman and Barbara Gordon sleeping together. So it's kind of like, ooh, you know, he's not perfect, but mm-hmm. he is the guy you go to for DC animated stuff, especially Batman. J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams, which is super interesting because he, we also know that he's making a Superman movie coming up. So well, obviously know, his involvement with DC is just skyrocketing. Well, I mean, that was the thing. They they basically signed a massive contract with Bad Robot. Yeah. Uh, for basically for for him to come in and head, he's gonna his name's going to be on the top of just about everything DC does for a while. Yeah. Whether yeah. I mean whether he's actually involved with it or whether or not he was like, yeah, sure, make it. You know, <laughs> I, I right. don't know, but it, his name's going to be on everything DC for a good while now. Yeah, it is. And then Matt Reeves, which I think is super interesting because it, it hasn't been said if this animated series is going to be in the same universe as the Batman. But it is kind of interesting that the director of the Batman is working on this. Yeah, that makes so, me think that there's a good chance that they're that it's the same character, that it's the same version of Batman. I mean, it would Which, make if sense. that's the case, huh, Marisha? I said it. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, I'd be very happy about that because I think that's a great idea. You you can't get every Batman story you ever want to see. Like, let's say this movie's a huge success and we love this Batman character. There's going to be a million stories we want to see this Batman tackle. Right. And we're not going to be able to get them all in a film. So I think it's a great idea for there to be an animated series where we can have this same Batman that we know and we love from this movie go on adventures that we wouldn't be able to see in film. Um, Especially stuff that's like more gothic horror esque that has some weird and strange visuals, some more scarecrow stuff, maybe for example. I right. think that'd be that that'd be a lot of fun. I think it'd be a great idea, and it's something that I wish more properties did. I think it really benefits benefits. Um, so if that's the case, that's awesome. But if not, hopefully it'll just be another really good Batman cartoon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the more good content, the better. Let's just, you know, if it's the same character, hopefully the movie, you know, hopefully we love it. 
Yeah, hopefully that, we do. That's always the risk is like if you do this and then everybody goes, yeah, I don't really like that. And then you're like, well, we, we've got this cartoon coming out. Same guys, you know, same, same character. Uh, you know, that that's not going to go over super well. But um, they're putting a lot in this one. I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that it's going to be a good Batman story. I don't need a perfect movie. I just want to enjoy a Batman story. Mm-hmm. Right. I just want to enjoy a Batman story. I want to enjoy the character. Like I, I've been very clear in saying that the Zack Snyder version of the the Ben Affleck just doesn't work well for me. But I understand why it does for some people, and that's great. That's awesome. But I am tired of replaying every Arkham game one hundred to one hundred percent completion just to get some Batman <laughs> that I like. Um, so I'm really hoping for a great animated series and a great movie. Of course, I mean, that goes without saying, like, of course we're hoping it's great. Nothing comes out that we're hoping is bad. Right. Um, but it, I am very excited. I mean, you put Bruce Timm's name on it, despite the recent uh, fumbles with stuff like the killing joke. I still get excited when I see Bruce Timm's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like there's also going to be, a Superman animated show coming out that we actually got some visuals from, which I think is really cool. Just some small ones. It's called my adventures of Superman. It follows Clark Kent, Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen. So based on the name, it sounds like this is mostly going to be about like Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen. I would think my adventures of Superman who is the my in right. that sentence? Right. Um, I think I think a animated show about Superman from Jimmy Olsen's perspective is genius. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, he's basically for those who don't know, he's basically what Ned is to Peter Parker in the MCU. Okay. That's what Jimmy Olsen is to Superman. He's the guy behind the computer. The guy with the computer, is that what he calls himself? Uh, the you're, guy in the chair. The guy in the chair. Uh, All right, you're right. You're right. The guy yes, in the chair. But he's not very. Uh, it, once he learns who Superman is, like, which in some continuities he does, some he doesn't, but he's just. He's Clark Kent's best friend, basically. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's his pal. Mm-hmm. Good old Jimmy Olsen, his pal. Yeah. Um, he was actually in Batman v Superman at the very beginning. He got he got shot by some terrorists. <laughs> right. Perfect. Uh, they're like, oh, cool, Jimmy Olsen. Then he got shot. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I'm and less it looks like it may be a little more kid friendly than I am with the Batman one. But if people if it comes out and people say it's great, I will definitely check it out. Yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts? I mean, it looks like it might. I'm I'm. You know me, always down for things my kids can watch. And specifically things that are will appeal to my children that don't make me want to claw my eyes out. Like, yeah. that's a real virtue in entertainment. You know, once you have kids, like, especially once they're not mm-hmm. quite old enough to... Although, my kids this week are on their current obsession is leverage. Isn't that funny? Um, Leverage? Did you did the the TV show Leverage? Oh, if you haven't seen Leverage, you should watch it. It's fun. Uh, I don't think I have. It's about a, a group of uh, 
grifters and con artists and hacker and you know a couple of different uh, and and they kind of go on this robin hood crusade and you know go around and um so the kids have been watching that with me so that's fun so eventually they do get big enough to watch adult stuff um but things that are you know animated things that that the kids can watch too that's always a win in my book mm-hmm. so yeah there's gonna be one more animated thing but I don't know if your kids can watch it based on the content of what it's adapting. And that is we're getting an Injustice animated movie. Uh, for those who don't know, Injustice was a video game made by NetherRealm Studios, the guys who made Mortal Kombat. So, of course, it is pretty, pretty brutal right. in, in its content. Um, it is about Superman, long story short, getting tricked by the Joker into destroying Metropolis, killing Lois Lane and his unborn child. So he shoves his arm through Joker's body and then turns evil and takes over the world. And it's Batman versus Superman because we haven't seen enough Batman versus Superman. (laughs) We need more of that in the world or evil Superman stories. There's always evil Superman. Um, So is this another HBO max thing or? Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a, it looks like it's going to be an HBO max thing. Um, and that might be it. Let me see if I can find if it's going to be in Cartoon Network because it's actually going to be a movie, not a series. Okay. Which is leaves a lot of questions for me uh-huh. um, because they did make a comic book. The game came first, very successful. They made it in Justice Two, and they also made a comic book. So the comic book basically follows the beginning of it, like right after. Superman turns evil all the way up to the video game, which takes place five years after that. And in the video game, Batman uses a multiverse machine, whatever, to reach over into the prime regular universe where Superman's still good, grab a bunch of heroes from that universe, bring them to his to help him stop Superman. Um. I like the story a lot. I mean, it's 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 nothing special in my opinion, though it is extremely popular. So some people do think it's very special, okay. at least when it comes to the games. I haven't read all the comic books. I've read Year One and uh, Injustice Year One, and I've played both games. And I think it's a fun enough story, but it's it's kind of just your basic Batman versus Superman story. Um, right. Underdog Batman has to use his technology and wits to defeat the brute force that is Superman. Right. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, well, yeah. Let me see here if it's going to be. Is, is Zack Snyder making it? Uh, I, is, I don't. Is this that, how he's Zack Snyder's continue? name was not mentioned. Is this how he's going to continue his Snyderverse? Yeah. Be, Zack Snyder shows. already made an Injustice movie. It's called Batman versus Superman. Uh yeah, that kind of. <laughs> well, and that one, Superman's still good. This is different enough in that Superman straight up turns evil. Right. It's an interesting. Um, I'm surprised that that was a popular, um, a popular story as unpopular as Hydra Captain America turned out to be. I'm surprised that Evil Superman yeah. was a hit. Yeah. Well, the th- the difference is this is an Elseworlds thing. Okay. So this was just another universe. You can disconnect it. Right. Hydra Hydra Captain America. That was like prime, like Earth six one six Steve Rogers mm-hmm. at as Hydra. Still, I think it's ridiculous when people get mad about that story because he was literally 
like forced into it by a cosmic cube tesseract and and like godlike powers like it's not like steve rogers himself suddenly became a nazi like right. literally time right. and space was altered to make that happen hmm. yet people are still mad it whatever <laughs> um also but i do think it's that actually could be a good sign that maybe people just don't give a crap about superman anymore and so they don't care when he gets turned evil maybe and his character gets messed with like i don't that. know i don't know i don't know i mean people weren't big fans of broody superman and that's uh, true Bat- and batman versus superman i mean i guess some people did ro likes it hmm <laughs> I tried to explain well, I mean, to there, him he's There are wrong. a lot of people that really love um, Man of Steel. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. did enjoy Man of Steel. He just got more broody as it went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I would actually love if we ever got a live-action Injustice movie. I would love to see Henry Cavill be evil Superman. I bet he would eat that up. Yeah, he's just such a good actor. Exactly. He's just got I bet lots he would, of range. He's one of those, charming. He'd probably put me on his side, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that's really come on strong mm-hmm. in the last few years as an actor. Um, yeah. You know, Superman, of course, like, you know, propelled him, like, right. You know, into the to stratosphere. The st- exactly. And then he, you know, The Witcher and, and things like that. And I, I mean, here's the thing. And I said this last time we recorded. If, if, if they really have cut him loose at Warner Brothers, Marvel is going to snatch him up so fast. Yeah. As they should. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Henry Cavill. But um, yeah, Injustice animated adaptation. If it's good, I'll, if I hear that it's good, I'll watch it. I'm not going to go out of my way. I'm excited to see what it's actually going to be because if it's just the game... Well, I already played the game and saw the comic book. But that being said, they could change things. I mean, when they make movies, it's like, well, I already read the comic book. So, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of different when it's based off a game because it's like, yeah, there's not a whole lot of room. Yeah. When you're adapting a comic book story, really what you're adapting is just like 70 years of history. When, so it's like you can pick and choose. And so, you can't really make that excuse of, I read the comic, so I don't need to see the movie. But in this case, I feel like it's like such a specific thing that they're going to mm-hmm. adapt. Right. And the game already is full of animated cutscenes. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that's the thing, video game. games, there's so much animation in them these days. Exactly. So I don't know. It's an interesting choice. I, I get why they're doing it though. It is a very popular series. If they're, if, if it turns out they're adapting the comic book, I think that would actually be a better move and way cooler because then you could go make movies forever. You could make this a whole series, right? Because it start it start the comic book starts at year one and it takes five years to even get up to where the game begins. Mm-hmm. So there's a a lot you could do with that. I'm excited to see it. Uh, it depends on who the voice cast is for Superman. That'll really make it for me because there's a Tim Daly as Superman is just etched into my brain and then the guy who also voiced him in the justice league show um i can't remember his name i think his last name is newburn uh just as animated superman that is like ingrained to me just as much as kevin conroy as batman is Mm -hmm. so when it comes to these animated dc shows 
uh, the voice cast will really make it or break it for me. Right. But yeah, a lot of animated stuff coming out of DC, which is not surprising. They've always been on top of their animated game yeah, way more than Marvel has. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but- DC tends to do just, I mean, Marvel, especially lately, really their animated stuff has mostly been like, Oh, shows for your five-year-old so that yeah. in three years you can take him to see your DCEU movies. I mean, yeah. your, your MCU movies, yeah. Which is not a terrible which is not a terrible marketing strategy. No, it seems to be working, but there's not a lot of animated content for its own sake. Yeah, I tried to watch the most recent stuff, like the Avengers show, and I was like, you... Uh, though there is, on Disney+, Plus, there's a show, Earth's Mightiest Heroes... That one is excellent. Okay. I would suggest that. Um, but then uh, I watched that Guardians of the Galaxy show. Nah. <laughs> uh, just not working for me. Superhero um, Squad's a big a big hit in our house. Well, the big one now, oh. they got MODOK coming out yeah. uh, in a week or two. Yeah. That's so cool. I can't, can't wait for that. I forgot that was a thing. But now I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Because isn't... Um, what's his name? Who's the voice behind Modoc? Is it Patton Oswalt? I think it's Patton. I'm about to say it's Remy from Ratatouille. Yeah, oh Patton Oswalt. Yeah, he's he, he's the voice behind Modoc, which is just excellent. Um, uh, yeah, really, speaking really speaking of Patton Oswalt and something we're going to talk about in a few minutes. I don't know how I missed Amazon's Lord of the Rings on Prime. They're they're um. April Fool's joke. I don't know how I missed that, but they had a whole article they posted about Patton Oswalt being cast as young Gollum. Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. As young Gollum? Young young Gollum. Yeah, Patton Oswalt. Their their April Fool's joke was that Patton Oswalt had been cast as young Gollum. Wouldn't that just be him as Smeagol? <laughs> <laughs> or is it is it post Smeagol? I think post Smeagol, but uh, pre. Um, but then would that would he be alive during this time? No. Well, yeah, I didn't think. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, he, the timeline he... of Gollum is tricky because <laughs> it's like, how old is he? I don't know. Right. No, I'm just that, that was still, a good good April Fool's joke. Though. That's, that's hilarious. That's funny. You know, he could be a pretty good Smeagol. Mm-hmm. He does I like, think, uh, like there's a picture of him in front of me, and like, I mean, he, he you could believe him as a, a younger Andy Circus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or yeah, any, just or Andy any Circus Hobbit. in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, or just any Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. He could have been a Bilbo. He could have been Farmer Maggot. He could have been Farmer Maggot. Yes. <gasps> he could have been Farmer Maggot. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. So, so we need to just start bombarding Patton Oswalt's Ooh. Twitter with like hashtag Patton Oswalt Pat- is is former maggot. What about Patton Oswalt as Tom Bombadil? Oh, that could be that could be pretty uh, that could be pretty entertaining. <laughs> he's like he's he's too. Um, it's the 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 sort of like cynicism that he has going though generally yeah like i think it yeah. works for farmer maggot a really cynical tom bombadil would be really odd 
that's true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. His his cynical sense of humor. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. But you know, um, he he's the thing is like, per, I mean, Parks and Rec was fine. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But like his filibuster, his Star Wars filibuster, hands down, best thing about that show, its entire run. Please tell me you've Which seen show? Uh, Parks and Recreation. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. yes. John, yes. Johnny Karate wasn't your favorite part of that show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, not, not like it, 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 the, the show was, was definitely funny, but that, that filibuster was just the funniest thing yeah. ever. Yeah, I remember. That. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah. Parks and, Rec- Parks and Recreation is, I think, is a bit underrated because it gets overshadowed by The Office. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think it was I, supposed I like to be the a office spin-off. overall more, but mm-hmm. that last season of Park and Rec- Parks and Recreation just doesn't work for me. Mm-mm. No, no, they they kind of there were some okay jokes, but they kind of lost where they were going with it. I, I well, like. and Leslie Nope was just never as funny as Michael Scott. No, like, no. and that's the thing. Like, there were some really great supporting characters in both shows, but yeah. ultimately, I just don't feel like, you know, the Eternal Optimist could just could out funny yeah. the the inordinate narcissism of uh, Michael Scott. Yeah, yeah, a- and you know, Amy Poehler was great as Leslie Nope, and I liked Leslie, but uh huh, I just. She was Leslie was never the best part of that show. Mm-mm. Michael Scott was often the best part of The Office. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Now, ba- now I think that Parks and Recreation works because you put Leslie Nope as the main character, surrounded by all these people like Ron mm-hmm. and April, and who are either just complete, like they they they're either just complete complete they're full of cynicism Mm -hmm. or they are just complete buffoons (laughs) and i think that the show works because of that because they bounce off each other so well but yeah she was never the best part um there was always another character that i was more interested in and and wanted to see more of Mm -hmm. even if it's small stuff like paul rudd's character (laughs) and it like i was like i want a show about that guy over Leslie Nope, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, Still, when do you never Leslie. not want to show about Paul Rudd whenever he's in a in anything? <laughs> yeah. Paul Rudd. He's, Paul Rudd could be a hobbit. Paul Rudd would be a very good hobbit. Like yeah. I feel like he would really rock the hobbit life. Like Yeah. Maybe least, he could be an elf. That's he's got that timeless thing going that, on, that ageless that's, thing. That's true then there's that yep yeah it is kind of funny a very very different sort of elf right he he's definitely <laughs> your more traditional british folklore elf like yeah. and i'm here to yeah. like creep the crap out of you and see how many irritating you know and slightly unsettling things i can do yeah i think we should recast you know, one of, I think one of the biggest problems we had was uh, with our recasting of Lord of the Rings, if I remember correctly, was we couldn't quite pick someone out for um, for Arwen. Yeah, we had uh, we think, had a little. I think Paul Rudd's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Well, definitely. I, I mean, that. I don't see how we could not have, have hit on that initially. Yeah. Let's see a deep fake of that one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just All want right. to see Paul Paul Rudd and more stuff. I'm really excited for Ghostbusters. I'm yeah. so excited for Ghostbusters. Yeah. I think that was the biggest disappointment of great. 2020 was Ghostbusters and Dune getting put off. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, Patton Oswalt, on- MODOK. We that, that MODOK. Well, yeah, I mean, we Marvel TV about shows. MODOK and then it went. From there to we were talking about Patton Oswalt, DC Animations, yes, and then Modoc, Marvel Animation, and Marvel Animation, yes, yes. then Patton okay. Oswalt, and yeah, yeah, okay. But you're right. Like DC's always been way more on top of their animation than Marvel. Not that Marvel hasn't had some incredible series, yeah. Uh, but it's kind of remarkable that like Disney of all companies mm-hmm. hasn't managed to just like go nuts with Marvel Animation. Yeah. 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 Ooh, I guess. I mean, they've pretty much made a bunch of Disney shows, but with Marvel characters. Yeah. You know? Um, but they have the ability to make some really... I guess they just don't want Disney animation associated with, like, dark and serious stuff. But, I mean, like, you know, Mufasa dies in Lion King, man. Like, I think <laughs> we can have a serious TV show about Iron Man. But then we got a Hakuna Matata it so that you can balance off the, the tragedy yeah. of the whole Hamlet storyline. You know, you know, Timon and Pumbaa really just told a kid whose dad died in front of them to just not worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Like this is probably not the healthiest way to deal with yeah. trauma. Like, and we just eh, saw him embrace it like Hakuna. And we just sang, like, no, was, and we <laughs> just sang right along with him. And we, <laughs> <did>. <laughs> and we just sang right along. Poor Simba, he's going to need some real therapy when this is all over. Like, imagine if, like, you know, imagine if my dad died, and then you two were like, hey, Hakuna Matata. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would kind of make us jerks. And then then all of our fans just snap along. Uh Got Nick just singing along with us. Yep. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So and, like, the whole world sang Akuna Matata for a couple oh, of years what? after that movie came out. There was mm. no getting away from Akuna Matata. No, it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so one more little piece of news before I jump to Andrew for some Lord of the Ring news. We got a Venom trailer. Woohoo! Ooh. I didn't see it. I really couldn't care less. But I'm sure some people are excited. I mean, it looks fun. I, I still... I'm with you. I saw you weren't on with us last week. I saw your post last week, though, where, uh, you know, they were like, yeah, it's uh, it's really not part of the MCU. And it's, it's like that's sort of like this kind of like pretend it's connected, but it's not really sort of kind of yeah. diminishes it for me. It kind of tarnishes it a little bit. Yeah, because the problem is, like, they're like, oh, it's not really. But then in the trailer, they have MCU references. Like, they have a newspaper that's about the Avengers. Right. And, like, the Daily Bugle and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like, which is it, man? <laughs> it's just, I don't care anymore. I really don't. So I want you to tell me. So I can move on. Mm-hmm. It's They're trying to have their cake and eat it, too. And Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, you know, it, it really, it boils down to Disney did what they had to do. 
to appease them to keep Spider-Man. We still don't yeah. really know what that was yet. But, um, you know, let them pretend they're MCU for a few years, I guess, was the, the big the big cast. Yeah. I guess the biggest thing is just they're just like, who cares? Which is like, yeah. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, but back to the trailer. Uh what do you guys think? Do you think it looks good? Think it looks fun? Better than you expected? Are you excited for for Venom Let There Be Carnage? I mean, I still don't know how excited I am for it. Um, Did we even see the first one? No, I have not watched it. Um, I, I don't really know. I should probably watch the first one so that you to can kind have of like have one. an opinion about the second one. But, right. you know, as far as the look, I, I think it looks, I think they've done a good job with the look of it. Oh, yeah. I think Venom looks great. I think Carnage looks super cool. Like, that's better than I could have ever hoped to see Carnage in a movie. Right. Um, like when they made Spider-Man 3 all those years ago, I could not imagine if they would have like made Carnage in Spider-Man 4. That probably would have looked awful. So, well, yeah. then again, Sandman looked great, but I didn't really like the way Venom looked. So, like, if that would have been Carnage, that would have been awful. So, I think it's really cool for them for us to actually be getting a very good looking Carnage. Yeah, We're I don't also, care much about Carnage. I mean, he's fine. You know, there's nothing special about that character to me. Nothing interesting. He's just a serial killer who has this symbiote and is crazy. And that's fine. That works. There's been some good stories of carnage. Not every villain has to be in a gray area. Are they good or are they bad? And like, what do they, what are their motivations and what do they want? Like not every villain has to be that. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can just have a serial killer who likes to kill people. Yeah. I think that's fine. Well, uh, I, but yeah, I, I was glad that, uh, Woody Harrelson's hair looked a little more normal than it did in that first, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, had had Cletus 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 Cassidy right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, had had his had him looking a little crazy there in uh in prison with the uh, the long Wait. you know hair and everything initially, but well, he's crazy. Get it? Well, no, he's definitely crazy. He's also but. Woody Harrelson. Is he ever not just at least a little bit crazy? <laughs> no. I love Woody Harrelson. That's kind of that's brand, one of the big pushers for me to actually go see this movie. Yeah, same. Because I know he's going to at least give it his all. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to have fun with it. Yeah, he was one of the best things about the Hunger Games. He was great. I agree. He's a lot of fun in Hunger Games. I wish he was in more stuff. He could do a lot of really cool things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can think of a lot of really good comic book characters for him. So it's kind of like ugh, Carnage, but like fine. You know, someone has to do it. Might as well be a good actor. Yeah. Um, man, now I want to see. Ooh. I'd love to see, like, Woody Harrelson play, like, I don't know. Okay. I thought about this for more than five seconds and realized it was a dumb thing I'm about to say. <laughs> well, now we have to hear it. But I was like, what if, like, Woody Harrelson was, like, an old, like, drunk hobbit? Yeah, there's lots of those. Exactly. Like, but like, what he could be gaffer? Could he play? He could be gaffer Gamgee. Who? Sam's dad. Oh yeah, yeah. He could be Sam's dad. (laughs) 
Um, put on some weight. I mean, Gandalf. He could be a real interesting oh Gandalf. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that would that could be very interesting. Like Hamage. He would just be Hamage from Hunger Games. But with but pipe weed instead of uh instead of spice or whatever it is he got a hold of. <laughs> right, yeah. And just have long a long beard and long hair. <laughs> I love how after the Lord of the Rings casting last week, now all the conversations like, and who could this person be? Oh, I think what, what part of Middle Earth should they inhabit? <laughs> uh-huh. I'm trying to think of like a comic book character I would like to see him play. Um, but nothing's coming to mind right off the top of my head. For a long time, though, I got Michael Rooker and Woody Harrelson confused. <laughs> so I thought that Woody Harrelson was playing, was Yondu. Oh, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, it's Woody Harrelson, right? Or, like, I'd see Woody Harrelson in something, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the guy who plays Yondu. That's anyway, funny. Carnage. Carnage. <laughs> All that to Carnage say. Carnage itself looks great. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is I, I think that, like, they're doing a good job with the look of the characters and stuff, and, um, I mean, I just, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's not a character I really care that much about. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're right because of who's playing the character I, I will probably go see this yeah and you know Tom Hardy looks like he's going to be great in it Tom Hardy's great and everything yeah Tom Hardy's usually great uh, the dynamic between him and Venom looks fun it's it's I wish I could think of something to compare it to it's like right on the tip of my tongue of like this like devil on the shoulder type thing that they've sort of got going now and i kind of like where they're going with it it's kind of weird i don't like how he just like comes out of the jacket like that doesn't make sense to me yeah but whatever i'll accept it i've accepted a lot of weird things um the whole breakfast making thing was kind of funny <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of funny you know yeah I don't know. Nothing stand. Nothing. I'm not excited, and it's because I just couldn't care less about. Now, Venom. Venom himself has been a cool character before, but like the the first one was just so mediocre to me mm -hmm. that I can't make myself care. I'm just. I'm over. Like, th okay, this is the best example I can come up with. Venom feels like it's a superhero movie that should have been made in like 2005. That's fair. Like that's the era, like the Daredevil era. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Or it was kind of like, who gives a crap? We're just doing cool, like Ghost Rider type stuff, uh, type type tone. Right. But um, it doesn't necessarily have to fit any. Kind of what DC's doing now. It doesn't have to fit any particular aesthetic, any particular anything. It just has to be cool. It's just cool looking stuff. It's a comic book character. Who cares? People go see it. Like that's sort of the, the feeling I get from it is that mm -hmm. the people behind it don't care. But maybe I'm just being cynical. Maybe I'm just being Patton Oswald, and I and, and I don't mean to. And if you like the movie, I understand why you like the movie. Um, I get, especially if you're like you know a kid in the '90s who read comic books, you totally are gonna go see this movie because right. you're like, I remember Carnage. He was freaking dope. Mm -hmm. It's a cool tattoo. <laughs> Yeah. Just what a lot of characters from the 90s were. 
just cool it's tattoos. Cool tattoo. That's funny. Now, here's the thing. If this was in the MCU, it's funny because I would actually be more excited because I'm a big Spider-Man fan. So then I'd be like, oh, man, Spider-Man's going to be in it. Right. I'd actually be interested in a Venom movie, but Spider-Man is in it, but it's not a Spider-Man movie. Mm, What's yeah. like that? I think that'd be cool. Like almost like a villain, like getting it from his perspective and he's mm-hmm. fighting Spider-Man and Spider-Man's the villain and the, he's the antagonist in this story. Mm-hmm. By the way, I just completely thought about this randomly because I want to know if you guys agree with me here. Um, the protagonist doesn't have to be the good guy, right? No. Right. No. This is this is something I rant about pretty constantly, that people don't know the difference between antagonist and villain. Or protagonist and hero. Right. Yes. Oh, my God. I got in a huge fight with my eighth grade English teacher <laughs> because she just – here's the thing. The teacher – a lot of teachers, when they, when they don't care – they don't want to argue with you about it. They just want to say what is written in the textbook and not bring it up. That's why every single year I'd get to English and the teacher would say, forget what you learned last year. This year it's this. And we only right. told you that it was that last year because we didn't want to confuse you. But this time, right. no, here we're actually getting the complicated stuff. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we got a big fight because we were learning about like an antagonist and protagonist. And I was like, excuse me, well, the protagonist doesn't have to be the good guy. Like you, If the story is from the perspective it is about – a person who is bad, that well, he is the protagonist of this story, mm-hmm. and the antagonist is just whoever is in the way, right, of the goal that the protagonist wants to reach. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be cool to actually have like a, because we've had movies about bad guys as the protagonist, like Joker mm-hmm. and Venom now, but what we haven't gotten is a movie about a villain. But that actually has the superhero in it, just in the role of the antagonist. Yeah, not the like closest... in a boy's kind of way. No. Not where they're actually the villain, but where they're actually, just the, the blocking the goal. Like in Marvel, the closest thing they've come to doing that, like they almost did that with Infinity War. Yeah, that's true. Where Thanos is kind of like it, that's Thanos's movie, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you definitely. can make a really strong argument for that movie being Thanos's movie. And if it's Thanos's movie, then yeah, you can make the argument that, yeah, we're looking at it as he's the protagonist and the Avengers are the ones mm-hmm. in his way. Mm-hmm. But still... But it's still not quite, you know... Fully there, because it's, we don't it's really view it from... There. We don't get the movie from Thanos's perspective. Pers- perspective we don't sympathize with him well some people do we shouldn't <laughs> sympathize with him. um right like the movie isn't called thanos it's called avengers infinity war right mm-hmm. right like like we got joker right but imagine joker but batman was actually in it right mm-hmm. yeah that'd and be very interesting that that'd be really cool um so, yeah, if it wasn't the MCU and, like, I knew that Spider-Man was going to be showing up, I'd be way more interested. Because I love Spider-Man. I'll see anything Spider-Man's in. Yeah. I don't care. I'm a little Spider-Man shill. I'll admit <laughs> that. I don't give a crap what it is. I will see it. I will watch every cartoon. I'll play every game. I'll watch every movie. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter one single bit. And I'll love all of it. I yep. find things to like about Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. 
that's a hard movie to like, <laughs> but I find things to like. It has it has its virtues, it has its flaws for sure, but yeah. it's a Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield are really cute. Yeah, they really are. Yep. And that's the thing, sometimes you can forgive bad story decisions because you like you know, like but they they cast they were such you know, cast so well. They cast so well and the characters are just have so much chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're so cool. I really like Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. I know a lot of people don't. They say his hair's too pretty or whatever. <laughs> That's but such a I'm weird a complaint. Andrew Garfield was was fine. It, it wasn't the best version, but it, it's that he it, he wasn't the reason that movie was bad. Mm-mm. No. What I really like about Andrew Garfield is that he obviously loves playing Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. And that really comes across on screen, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like the writing of the character in many ways. I don't care that he's attractive. Like, Peter Parker is an attractive guy. The I, The point was that he was nerdy, like, and, and nerds can be attractive. Right. It's not like, mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah. But the second that he gets confidence... He's he's pulling left and right, dude. He's got Gwen Stacy and uh, Liz Allen and Mary Jane, who's literally a supermodel, mm-hmm. literally a supermodel. So like, it's okay for Peter Parker to be attractive. He's an attractive guy, but the point was that just his personality was this nerd. I don't see Peter Parker being an edgy skateboarder, but that's not Andrew Garfield's fault, right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think what they went for, and it's of course we're going down another rabbit hole here, but um, you know, just like they've done with Flash and the the new Spider Man movies, like the idea of like what is a bully, right, uh-huh. has changed, and and so has the idea of what is a nerd, like what yeah. you know, yeah. Um, as they, there's kind of been this this blending and more overlap, and mm-hmm. where. Yeah, you can be a jock and a nerd. And, and yeah. you, you know, yeah, so to like, be a bully, you don't have to be, you know, physically intimidating anymore. You just have to be able to harass people on the Internet. Yeah. All right. So I do think that they were kind of playing with this idea of like. He was more you, of an outcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Because at, at one, you know, at the point when Spider-Man was written, like being a nerd is kind of makes you an outcast mm-hmm. yeah but that doesn't really now, make you an outcast anymore no no it doesn't because everybody likes it's comic books dude of, i yeah, was the, the most popular guy in school when avengers first came out <laughs> that's so everybody funny. wanted to borrow my comic books yeah like that was that was the golden era for me <laughs> <laughs> i had cute girls like really pretty girls like way prettier girls than i would ever talk to back in middle school um Coming up to me like, hey, so I heard you like comic books, right? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Can you recommend some to me? I'm like, well, actually, (laughs) um, I have some Spider-Man comics in my backpack right here. (laughs) Um, You're welcome to touch them, but please use hand sanitizer before reading them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's the beginning of David's, David's movie. That's, uh, uh, you've seen, uh, the world's end, right? 
the yeah. uh, the Nick yeah. Frost Simon Pegg, and he's like, and it never got any better than that night. <laughs> <laughs> that was when I peaked, and it was all been down there. That was the highlight. Yeah, that's hilarious. The best, yeah, the best part was when she didn't return them. Oh no! No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She did. Okay. My actual friend lost them. Um, I think he just kept them and told me he lost them. Yeah, friends are so, Angel, like that. If you're out there, I know. <laughs> you didn't fool me. That's funny. <laughs> never got any better than that. <laughs> um, now I'm going to be thinking about that. When did I peak? Oh well, oh, you're only twenty, Huntel so hopefully you still have <laughs> you still have a few years to. Yeah, hopefully I, I don't want to. I almost fell into the trap of being the guy who peaked in high school, and I was like, okay, I can't be, I can't stop it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I gained some self awareness. So. Self awareness uh, is anyway. an important part of being a grown up. Some it people is. never it really, get really it. Is. Some people never attain any degree of self awareness. So. Kudos no, they on don't. Gaining, <laughs> gaining some but early the, in life. But the great part about us at, uh, uh, obtaining self-awareness is we're now self-aware. We are self-aware enough to know we don't have to talk to those people anymore who are not self-aware. Right, exactly. I've also noticed that people who just aren't self-aware are also the people who just have no sense of humor at all. Anyway, Lord of the Rings news. Andrew, what do you got for us? All right, uh, there's a few things going on, and, and some of it's, I, I won't say it's old news, a couple of weeks old, but we haven't really talked about any of it. Um, we might have briefly mentioned, but um, of course there's the Amazon Lord of the Rings series coming, and we're starting to get, it's starting to feel like things are actually happening. Like it's actually going to be a thing. Right. Um, there was some mention about they were really actually heavily criticized for their budget announcement uh, a couple of weeks ago. Really? Well, they announced that the budget for season one is sitting at about $650 million New Zealand or about $465 million U.S., I don't understand how you could spend that much money on that season, one season of right. a TV show. Well, okay, and that and that's why they were have that's why they were so criticized. Um and and here's what one of the the producers had to say about it. Uh was and this is a quote, this is a full season of a huge world-building show. The number is a sexy headline or a crazy headline that's fun to click on, but that that is really building the infrastructure of what will sustain the entire series. Okay, so it's it's probably some creating massive set pieces, um, creating some probably some software armor, mm-hmm. like metalworking is going to cost you a pretty penny. Yep. Um, like they could spend an absolute fortune just on costumes. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, this was kind of one of the producers kind of coming back and saying, look, yeah, we're kind of getting hit with this pretty hard, but like we have to build all of this from scratch, from scratch. And it it takes us through the whole series. This isn't just like we're going to build new sets every season. And we're going to spend this much money for every season. Right. So it's a it's a lot of uh, the the later seasons will start to reabsorb. 
that cost of season one. That makes which sense. Which actually makes a lot of sense. And I, I didn't I didn't think about it that way, but that's um but that's still a really big budget. The other interesting thing was though, they're doing the whole series in New Zealand, which is mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Um for that four hundred and sixty five million dollars though that they're getting um they're getting New Zealand's giving them $116 million back. Wow. In in tax credits because of the jobs that it brings in and all that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that knocks it down another, you know, $100 million and starts to make those numbers look a little more reasonable. Yeah. So, but I mean, do y'all have any thoughts? I mean, that's really not the big news and, and we've talked about budgets before, but I mean, what do y'all think about that kind of cost for one, for the first season of this show? Cause I mean, it dwarfs. I mean, we're talking like 10 times what was spent on like, this is costing more than like all of, um, game of, game Thrones. of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. See a couple of years ago when they announced the budget for the last season of game of Thrones, mm-hmm. it blew my mind. So just like, hearing this is like holy crap now there was a time where this might have made me excited but i've learned as i matured that lots of money doesn't automatically equal good show yeah especially because of game of thrones because there was the big talk around the long night the battle most expensive battle ever put to screen Mm -hmm. most expensive huge budget they're showing numbers they're being flashy best most amount of horses ever on screen most amount of people ever on screen the biggest thing ever and it freaking sucked it sucked on toast dude it was so (laughs) bad and it didn't matter how much money they spent on it if they didn't turn the brightness up a little bit so (laughs) it doesn't matter um so they could have all the money in the world over here yeah. And this is how I felt about it the whole time. And that's exciting because it's like, okay, they're taking it seriously. Um, Jeff Bezos is throwing them a couple extra shillings and they're <laughs> taking it seriously and they're, they're going to be able to do cool stuff and it's going to look really good. Yeah. Uh, which is nice because, you know, the first season of Game of Thrones, the first season, actually didn't have that great of a budget. Right. And so when you watch that first season, it's very noticeable how they go out of their way to avoid showing battles right. and having a lot of horses on screen and how a lot of the costumes are used over and over again mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's very noticeable. You know, in the books, Tyrion fights a whole battle, but in the first season of the show, he gets knocked out conveniently and then wakes up at the end and is like, right. Obi won the battle. Like it does that it goes out of his way to do that. Right. So knowing that Lord of the Rings is starting with this budget, it kind of has me excited with the thought of like at least they're not gonna pr- they're probably not gonna do stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I think they want this to look like they want it to look from the start. What What is the budget one more time? Um, U.S. dollars four hundred and sixty five million dollars for season one. That's for thirteen episodes. Okay, so just for a little bit of perspective, though, The Hobbit. The unexpected journey cost a hundred and eighty million, and so at the point where, and which is almost double what the Lord of the Rings movies cost, they each cost under a hundred million. The first, the trilogy, the original trilogy, 
Um, but if you think about it, a lot of studios are kind of going in the direction of it's really movie, it's cinema quality entertainment on the small screen. Well, that's the thing. That's what streaming is. It's almost unfair. You know, you see these these streaming shows winning awards against your basic network mm-hmm. TV series. And it's like, well, they're really well, yeah. not the same thing. Exactly. I mean, so even, so if you look, The Fellowship of the Ring had a $93 million budget. It's a three-hour movie. How many episodes are going to be uh, for this first season? Have they given us any 13 indication? episodes. 13 episodes. So if you break it down that way, you've got 13 hours. That's about the same number of hours that are in um, the either one of those trilogies. So all of a sudden, it starts to have a similar budget that the Lord of the Rings movies had. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I I I mean, I'm not that surprised by the budget. Now, of course, you know the the uh, the deal is the the difference is is that movies make substantially more money than TV shows, whether it be streaming or or network or or whatever. Movies make more money. They do, but that is also there. It's becoming increasingly competitive. It's not. That's the thing. They they've told us for a while that it is, and as an effort to push their streaming services to say that oh, it's just as good as the movies. But the truth you is, know I mean, is competitive with each other. The, you know, they are coming becoming very competitive with each other, but they still the numbers. It's the reason that Warner Media has lost like over a billion dollars in theater money this past year because of deciding right. to put things on HBO Max instead of waiting for theaters to reopen. Right. Um, so, you know, it's it's kind of this this big thing where, and of course, as, as the answer to this, you know, Bezos and some of the producers, I mean, they came out the other day and said, look, the deal is this has to appeal to a global audience. It has to. Right. Like, it has to have huge numbers for this mm-hmm. to work. Right. Um, which, you know, I mean, what do y'all think? What is your first reaction? Because my first reaction to that is, of course, I've been really in a bad mood about all the China stuff. It's like, please quit trying to appeal to the Chinese government and the American people and then crying when it doesn't work because the American, average American citizen doesn't relate to the Chinese government. The real irony is that the first like real significant um, representation for Asian American actors, specifically Chinese American actors are going to probably be banned in China. Yeah. Like, so at the point where you can't make a movie made by a woman who was literally grew up in China for American audiences and get it in a Chinese theater, all of a sudden, I think it has to become clear that your priorities are in conflict. Yeah. But they're, it's all about that money. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, they're going to have to realize that that conflict is, you know, it's irresolvable. They can't, they can't overcome it. They can either, you can either have the Chinese government's approval or you can make movies that a global audience loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it's up, you know, the Chinese government may not let their citizens see it, but choose the good movie over appeasing the Chinese government, please. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, they talk about global, the, the global push. The whole thing is, is that Lord of the Rings is the largest fan, is the largest fantasy or largest fiction franchise, the, the books. The number one selling book of the 20th century in the fiction category. Hmm. Globally. It's printed in 38 languages. It's still one of the best-selling worldwide fiction books in the world. Printed in 38 languages. It broke when it was done in movies. It broke all sorts of global box offices. It's like... Because what concerns me is a quote that's towards the end of that article where they're talking about their global push. The more diverse the cast, the more diverse and authentic the storytelling, the better. Well, I, I don't know what you mean by authentic storytelling, for starters. Right. Is Tolkien like, not authentic enough for you? Like, I don't know what you mean by that. And, like, you know, we, we talk it on here all the time. We're all for diversity in, in cast. Um, how you do that in Lord of the Rings and still make it work in the fictional world, that's up for debate. But, like, this is the, this is the line that precedes an awful lot of disastrous mistakes in TV and movies right now. <laughs> uh-huh. And honestly, here's the thing. A more diverse cast, while I think is important in storytelling, it is not a recipe for making more money. No. Like, um, whenever Crazy Rich Asians came out a couple of years ago, it was billed in some European countries as crazy rich people. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't want to push Asians because of prejudice against Asians, they. But let's be honest. You know when they when they put Star Wars in China, they made John Boyega almost invisible because and almost erased. He wasn't the only one. They pretty much erased Kelly Marie Tran because of China. Yeah. Um. So that's the thing. Like, if you're going for like, they haven't figured out yet that that. Diverse casting and like appeasing Chinese, the Chinese government don't necessarily go hand in hand. Um, but that line, that line worries me because I've seen, you know, it's like just cast it, put the best actors out there in the role, and and act. I, I'm not that, mm-hmm. you know, particular about who, you know, the color of the skin of the person playing it. But like, don't make it all about that. Like, like I don't need to. I don't need modern politics being woven into the story mm-hmm. in a Lord of the Rings film. That's what I'm scared of. Right. Like that, this is a fictional world, completely fictional fantasy world that was, it, it doesn't, it doesn't play in our, it's unlike a lot of science fiction. Mm-hmm. This is fantasy mm-hmm. and it doesn't play in our world. There aren't right like parallel, a lot of parallels for, our real world issues mm-hmm. over in in that in that story, right? Um, They're very human kind of issues, but definitely not meant to. Be, it's meant to be timeless. It's not meant to comment on anything specifically happening today, right? And I do see, like, I I, I watch a good bit of um, like British TV and, and things, and there's been a big push um, in in fantasy. Um, stories, British fantasy stories for a, a long time to do, um, to have more diverse casts, which is always interesting until they start trying to make statements with it. Right. It's which like, is what's going to happen here. 
Um, you know, then it's like, okay, now, and, and, and you know, and I know some people kind of had that complaint with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but like Falcon and the Winter Soldier is set in United, the United States, like currently it's, it's a real, right. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's real world issues that, that the real world actually deals with. And science fiction really gets more into that, but fantasy, I just want to see a fantasy story that doesn't necessarily feel like it has to take on all of the social issues in the world right now. And the other thing is, again, different people in different parts of the world have very different feelings about social issues. Yeah. And something that is going to, there's going to please a European socialist and an American Republican and a Chinese communist are going to be three very, very different stories. Right. Right. And and that's why I feel like it's better to make stories, like good stories. Because right. pe- Because wherever you go, if you take the politics out of it, instead of putting, instead of infusing politics into it, making especially a story like Lord of the Rings, which is just mm-hmm. fantasy adventure. Right. Everybody in every country of every race can identify with the story. Right. But here's, this is where I'm going to leave this off is you say that you need to make this for a global audience. Okay. Tolkien built you a global audience. Mm-hmm. As, as far as the Tolkien fandom, you have a massive global audience. If you don't get a global audience for this TV show, it's because you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. You don't have to create a global audience for you Tolkien. You already have it. If you don't get it, it's because you scared them off. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. Definitely. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. The only other thing, there was actually one more little piece of news. I'm not that familiar with this director, but they did sign on a director to do two episodes. Uh, Charlotte Brandstrom, uh, she's a French director, uh, did episodes of Man in the High Castle, did episodes of Netflix's new Jupiter Ascending, and did some episodes of The Witcher. Oh, awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds that's, promising. That's yeah, cool. no, I mean, I mean it looks Witcher. like they're, you know, looking at the right types of people to mm-hmm. to come in and hopefully and just not the director who did the super graphic sex scenes episodes of the witcher well hopefully not but i mean we <laughs> all know what's going to happen if they do that kind of stuff in the hobbit it's going it, to tank gonna, yeah no don't nobody want to see that lord of the rings speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding like and i mean the thing is like i enjoyed the witcher you know, and, and Lord of the Ring, uh, and, you know, Game of Thrones clearly had a huge audience, but don't confuse your audience for Game of Thrones with your audience for Lord of the Rings. I mean, there's going to be a heavy true. overlap, but I think even your, from what I'm seeing, even your big Game of Thrones fans look across the aisle at Tolkien and go, it was fine in Game of Thrones. It doesn't belong in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So That's how I feel. And, and I think, and largely that's what I'm saying, because let's be honest, like it was your big, your, your first people to really embrace Game of Thrones were your big fantasy fans, mm-hmm. most of which, you know, have, most of which had, grew up with the Lord of the Rings movies out there being mm-hmm. the biggest thing in fantasy film. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like that, that audience was built by Tolkien stuff. And even those 
people under they don't want to see that in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Largely, I mean, you've all I, I never never say no one, right? Um, because there's always someone, but it just it just doesn't fit the tone. No, no, or what Tolkien was writing about. Exactly, like Game of Thrones. It's okay there because that's what George was writing about. It's accurate to the source material, to the story being told. Yeah. It's the tone of the story. This is just what the world is. This is what the story is, and there's room for both types of stuff like that. Absolutely, I'm not. I'm not out there saying, "Oh, you can't make this kind of stuff." Like it's not like my big thing, but I, I'm not out here saying, "Oh no, you shouldn't be making that." No, yeah, make yeah, it. Sure. That's 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 great. Like. But don't it, make there's it, a huge global audience for that kind of stuff. Don't call it Middle Earth. But but it, it's a matter of knowing when it's when to what yeah. properties to cross that line with and which ones are. But because and I'll say this, which ones are more sacred than that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's fair. It, the way that I would feel about graphic sex scenes in Lord of the Rings is the same way I'd feel if they weren't in Game of Thrones. Yeah. It would feel wrong. Yeah. Right, because the author put them in there. Right. Yeah, exactly. They're exactly. part of the story. Like whether you're into it or not, like that's that's there's what very the, little story if you don't have that's what the author intended in, in, in Game of Thrones. Right. But anyway, that's what I had for Lord of the Rings news. Awesome. Dope. Well, unless anybody else has anything to say about some of the news topics we talked about today, I think it's we're good to wrap up. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Science Fictionary Podcast. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to check us out on all of our social media. Uh, All of our stuff on YouTube is a lot of fun. We've been doing a lot more there. Uh, There's some great stuff coming up on there. We do all of our trivia games on YouTube. We do a lot of our Marvel reviews on YouTube. I recently did a vlog about going to galaxy's edge at uh disney and to diagon alley at universal also check out our website thesciencefictionary.com we do articles over there and we have a twitter but i forgot the handle so i'm gonna let andrew tell us about that (laughs) andrew where can people find you on twitter yeah people can find us at sci underscore fictionary on twitter uh you can find us on our website thesciencefictionary.com um and as always, you can find our podcast as well as the rest of the Red Five podcast family over at redfivenetwork.com and at Red Five Network on Twitter. And Marisha? You can find me on Twitter at ppadawans. I am princesses underscore and underscore padawans on Instagram. And I am David underscore JG Peoples on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, not all those who wonder are lost.